You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to Mikel Arteta's six-pointer against Norwich City tomorrow. The game takes place at Emirates Stadium on Saturday at 3pm, and I'm going to be sharing with you guys the lineup I would pick, the lineup I think Mikel Arteta will pick, and my prediction for the upcoming fixture. I'll also be interacting with you guys in the live chat box as well. So really, really looking forward to that. Thought I'd change it up a bit. Thought I'd turn the camera around for those of you watching on YouTube um, and sit in a different position in the man cave today. Um, Don't know. Ask me why. It just came to me about a minute before we went live. It's why I'm a couple of minutes late. It's not uh, because I'm moving uh, like Aubameyang during the North London derby, like Junior Gunner says, but... (laughs) Great comment that. I uh, hope everybody's well. I uh, hope everybody's enjoyed the little break that the international uh, pause has given us. But obviously now it's back to business and it's a huge, huge game for the Arsenal. A must-win game, there's no doubt about it. Not just for the club, but for Mikel Arteta in particular, who is under, and rightly so, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of pressure. So what can we expect at the weekend? What can we hope to see from Mikel Arteta's Arsenal? Well, I think there's a few things that we need to be uh, looking to do. The first one is obviously to win the game. And that is the the major, major thing. You know, that is the primary kind of objective. Forget, you know, Mikel Arteta has been talking a lot about performance. A lot of the Arsenal fans have been talking about the need to see this huge, uh, impressive performance. Yeah, look, I'd love to see that. Of course I would. And I think it would go a long way in kind of restoring people's faith in this side. But I think the most important thing, first and foremost, is to get the three points. When you're trying to get out of a rut, when you're trying to get out of a difficult run and a difficult spot, the most important thing is to get the result first and then you can build on that. I genuinely do believe that. Because playing well but not getting the result, does that really lift people's confidence? I don't think it does. And the confidence right now is in the gutter. So Arsenal need to perform. They need to perform well um, of course, but first and foremost, it's about the victory. And if you told me now uh, that I could take a 1-0 scrappy win with a last-minute goal bundled over the line at the far post by one of our centre-halves, I'd take it. And I know a lot of people won't share that opinion, but I do think the result is the priority and it is so important, given the start to the season that we've made, that we cannot, um, I don't think, be become obsessed almost with the performance. If Arsenal come away from Emirates Stadium tomorrow with three points, I'd be absolutely delighted. And, and that'll be that. And then we look to build on that. Then we look to improve at Burnley and we look to pick up three points. In an ideal world, it would be great to have both, to have the brilliant performance, to blow Norwich out of the water um, and, of course, pick up the three points. But, you know, you've got to be realistic about where we're coming from. Now, I know people will say, yeah, but it's Norwich at home and we absolutely should be beating Norwich at home. And I agree with that. I'm not trying to kind of excuse the team for what might be a bad performance. I'm not saying that I don't want to see a good one. I'm just simply saying that the result is what matters here. That's the big thing. 
And once you get the result and you stop that bad run of results, then, as I say, you can start to build. It will kind of take the kind of weight off of people's shoulders, off of the manager's shoulders. And for me, it's about the result more than anything. Performance, if we get it, great, fantastic. But I want to see Arsenal, even if they have to grind it out because the confidence is low. Because Norwich are a handy side. I know they've had a poor start to the season as well, but they've played some really difficult games too. They are a handy side. They play a nice brand of football. They are capable of hurting teams. They've got some good players. So, you know, it, it's there's no guarantee. What I'm saying is that we're going to go to Emirates Stadium tomorrow and we're going to blow them out of the water and we're going to beat them 5-6-0. So you've got to be open to the fact that given where our confidence is, we might not necessarily see Arsenal click into full gear. But if we don't, as long as we get the result, I don't think many people should be too bothered. Right, let's... Um, Let's bring up some statistics on this game because, of course, Norwich City are a bit of a yo-yo club. So we have got a, uh, a record against them in the Premier League in recent years. Uh, let me just bring it up. Bear with me. I should have done this before. I have no idea uh, why I haven't set it up. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Fixtures. There we go. Love the Premier League website, by the way. It gives you these little um, stats packs if you don't want to call them that, ahead of the game. Uh, let me just share the screen for those of you watching us on the video. Bear with me a second. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Here we go. There you go. Arsenal versus Norwich City, the head-to-head -head record. Now, of course, the two sides have met 18 times in Premier League history. Arsenal have won nine of those. Norwich have won two. Six of those Arsenal wins have come at home. Um and of course, uh, three of them were away from home. There have been seven draws between the two sides. And if you look at the most recent uh, encounters between the two, the last one was on Wednesday, July 1st, um, 2020. Arsenal beat Norwich City by four goals to nil earlier that season in December. So in the lead up to Christmas, we'd drawn 2-2 at Carrow Road. To find the, the last fixture before then in the Premier League, you have to go all the way back uh, to April 2016. Arsenal 1, Norwich 0 was the score at Emirates Stadium. That was right at the end of the campaign. And in the earlier fixture at Carrow Road back in November 2015, we were held to a 1-1 draw. So recent times, it's not been so dominant in Arsenal's favour. You know, we've won four, uh, two of the last four. Uh, three of the last five, if you want to look at that, if you want to take it all the way back to 2014. But of course, um, you know, Norwich, for me, have done some good business this summer and actually look a stronger outfit in terms of what they can bring to the table from an attacking sense. So I don't think this is going to be necessarily plain sailing. If you look at the form guide going into this game, uh, of course, the form guide for Norwich takes into account some of their games uh, from the last time they were in the Premier League. And, and it, obviously it takes into account Arsenal's too because the Premier League work it out on the last five games. So we're not going to go back beyond this season. You know, it's pointless. It's a very different Norwich team. It's a very different Arsenal team. But Norwich, as I mentioned, they've lost their first three games. But I mean, come on, they're a promoted side and they've lost to Liverpool um, by three goals to nil. They lost heavily away at Manchester City and they lost narrowly at home to Leicester. That's by no means a disgrace, is it, for Norwich City? So, um, you know, I think you have to say that they're a bit like us in the sense of they're in a place now where their season very much starts 
tomorrow. And ordinarily, I would look at it and go, well, Norwich have been to uh, have been to City, have played Liverpool and have played Leicester. And now going to the Emirates is another difficult game. And you could say that maybe their season starts next week. But no, you know, Norwich will look at Arsenal as a team they could potentially pick up points from. So many teams looked at Arsenal last season, uh, sussed out our issues, came to Emirates Stadium and, and left with results and left with points. So there's no nor- reason why Norwich looking at the way we've started the campaign will feel like they have no chance here or feel like they cannot uh, they cannot take anything away from this game. They'll be right up for this. We know their style won't change very much. They play a very uh, attacking, fluid brand of football, um, which is obviously something that they deserve a lot of credit for. Hasn't always translated into results when they've been in the Premier League, but they've stuck to it. They've stuck with Daniel Farker and they're here again and they're going to give it a go. So, yeah, you look at you look at their season, you look at our season. We've played Chelsea, we've played City. Um, obviously, we should have won the game at Brentford, you feel. But our season very much starts tomorrow, as does Norwich City's. And um, and that's why this is going to be a, a really interesting fixture. If you look at the season so far, just a, a, a position in the table separates us. Arsenal rock bottom, Norwich City in 19th. We've both lost three games. Um, Arsenal... Average goal score per match, zero, because we're yet to score. Uh, Norwich, 0.33. Uh, Norwich, though, interestingly, despite playing against Liverpool and Manchester City and Leicester, average more chances created per match than us. That's crazy to think that. So it kind of builds into that point, doesn't it, about them playing an attacking brand of football, not being afraid to do that, even against sides that on paper they should be getting blown out of the water by. They still stick to that philosophy. They still look to take the game to their opponents. And so we can probably expect the same at Emirates Stadium tomorrow. So Arsenal have to be uh, aware of what Norwich can bring on the counter-attack and aware of their threat. It isn't just about Arsenal going and breaking them down. I'm sure that will be you know, something that Arsenal will be working on. But Arsenal, if they're not naive, if they are properly prepared, will understand exactly what a danger Norwich pose uh, going the other way as well. And you might say, look, average chances created per match, 0.67, is, is not great. But it's double what Arsenal's is. So I know we've been under par, but the fact that they have played these three teams so far and still dominate us on that stat tells you quite a bit about the fact that although they've not picked up the results, there's been more signs of encouragement from Norwich City in the early weeks than there has been for Arsenal. That is really damning, isn't it? Um, Temu Puki obviously is the man who leads the goal count for Norwich with just one. Uh, but, you know, they've got a few other decent players in the side that people need to watch out for. Um, you know, Billy Gilmore, you know, a player on loan from Chelsea, very, very talented young man, Todd Cantwell. Uh, will be in the midfield, I'm sure. Max Aaron's a player that Arsenal have been linked with on a number of uh, occasions. You look at Pierre uh, Lee Malou, who is a central midfielder, who's right up there for tackles in the Premier League and tackles, uh, well, he's second, joint second with Max Aaron's when it comes to most tackles uh, across these two sides. So, Look, Norwich leading those stats, which is crazy. They're leading the goals, they're leading the passes, they're leading the tackles. Uh, in terms of individuals compared to Arsenal. So we can't take this game lightly, I guess, is the point I've been going around the houses to come back and make. Uh, so that's where we are on uh, Norwich City. Now, let's move on um, 
to the lineup that I think Mikel Arteta is going to pick, the lineup that I'd like to see him pick. And we'll try and make sense of it all. I want to hear from you guys in the chat as well. In fact, I'm going to say a few hellos before we carry on uh, through the stream. Let's say hello uh, to Junior Gunner, to Sai, to Crypto, uh, to Steve Stone, to Omar, to Jashar, to Selgeus, to Bob, um, to Michelle, to Michael. Hope you're all good. Uh, Skipsters in the chat too, as is Benjamin uh, Noakes. So yeah, um, big hello to all of you and to everyone that's watching this back or listening to this back a little bit later on. We appreciate every single one of you. Right, let's share uh, the uh, the tactics board. Let's name our 11 for the game against Norwich City. Now, if I think about this, you know, if I think about the goalkeeping situation, that's kind of the first point. Obviously, when you're naming a team, that's where I start. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Jid says, no hello to me. You didn't comment, mate. So I didn't know you were in the live chat. I can only see the names of people that comment. But welcome. Uh, right, let's go back to that. Let's go back to the lineup. So the goalkeeping position is one where there's a lot of debate around at the moment. I think that a lot of us agreed that, you know, Bern Leno would probably still be the number one for the majority of the season. But I'm kind of at this point with Bern Leno where I'm just a little bit fed up of him. I'm a little bit fed up of the mistakes he makes. I'm a little bit fed up of the uncertainty he brings to our back line. And I just feel like if we are building this new team, then just get on with it already um, and give Aaron Ramsdale a game. Mikel Arteta spoke about how well Ramsdale's training. So but remember, this is the team I'm going to pick. And then I'll talk through what I think Mikel might do differently. Moving into the centre of the defence, I think this is a no-brainer. I'm going to go with White and Gabriel. That is the central defensive partnership that I think Mikel Arteta will have his eyes on uh, for the most part of the season. And fingers crossed we get to see that tomorrow with both of them uh, returning to fitness. Left back, another position that picks itself, Kieran Tierney. On the right-hand side, I'm going to go with Tommy Asu. Now, there were concerns about whether or not Arsenal were going to get Tommy Asu's work permit uh, sorted in time. Good to report that the club, or glad to report that the club have done that. That has all been sorted. Tommy Asu's only had one or two training sessions with the team so far. I think today might be the second, um, which you know makes a lot of people feel like he might be left out, like we might go uh, with Cedric or Chambers. I would go with Tommy Asu. I just think we're in such a desperate need of an upgrade in that position. It is important uh, that we do that. And for me, you know, he speaks English. He's been playing. It's not like he's out of fitness. It's not like he's out of shape. So I just think that he um, he should come in uh, on the right-hand side of the defence. Moving into the midfield, uh, I'm going to go with Thomas Partey. Now, there are doubts around Lekonga's fitness, which is a worry. According to a couple of reporters, Charles Watts included, Lekonga didn't train with Arsenal yesterday because he had picked up some sort of problem whilst on international duty with Belgium. They didn't risk him as a precaution, but we're not sure if he's going to be available. If he is, for me, he should play because beyond him, I'm not really sure what other options we've got. Granite Xhaka, obviously unavailable. Mohamed Elneny out with a hamstring problem. So I think Mikel Arteta uh, could struggle there if uh, Lokonga is indeed unavailable. I've heard some people talk about the idea of Ainsley Maitland-Niles coming in. And I do feel like if Ainsley Maitland-Niles can't get a game in midfield with Xhaka, Elneny and Lokonga all missing, then 
you might as well have sold him. Uh, so that's kind of my view on that and my way of thinking around that. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that pans out. But if Lukonga's fit for me, he plays. Uh, moving into that number 10 position, I'm going with Martin Erdegaard. Um, great to see, it'll be great to see him back playing at the Emirates in front of a full crowd, uh, something that obviously hasn't had the opportunity to do yet. Uh, when he came to the club, we were in the middle of the pandemic and and that wasn't possible. And then, of course, he wasn't registered in time to play again in the game against Chelsea. From the left-hand side, I'm going with Bukayo Saka. From the right, I'm going with Nicolas Pepe, of course. Emil Smith-Rowe, unavailable. That might have thrown the cat amongst the pigeons for me. Uh, but, of course, uh, we know that Emil Smith-Rowe is a doubt with illness, so I'd leave him out and I'd pick Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to lead my line. Uh, some people would argue for Alexander Lacazette, and I do think that Lacazette has at times uh, shown some really good signs, has, has proven himself to be um, the better option at centre-forward in terms of linking up play with other people. But I, as I said right at the start of the summer, you look at players like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at his peak or, or at his best level, for me, is a better forward than Lacazette. Scores more goals, carries more of a goal threat, more difficult, I think, for opponents to live with. And I just think that if Arsenal are going to go on and achieve this season what we hope they can achieve and push for that top six, then it's imperative, absolutely imperative, that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is at his best. He hasn't been in the last 12 months. I don't think there's any way of kind of... Um, hiding away from that or, or pretending that's not the case. It's absolutely abundantly clear. Lots of people have talked about the contract and how that might have had an impact. And now he's got his feet up and he's on holiday. I don't really believe that with Lacazette, uh, sorry, with Aubameyang. I do think at times we've asked questions about his attitude and rightly so. I think at times we've been justified in doing so as fans. But I still think that if Mikel Arteta wants to get somewhere close to where Arsenal need to be on the end of the season. He needs to find a way of unlocking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He needs to find a way of getting the best out of him. And one of the things that Mikel has, has not done so well, I would say, since taking the job, is he's allowed other factors, I guess rightly so in the bigger picture, to kind of dictate his team selections and dictate who his favourites are. But I also think that as a manager, part of your responsibility, yes, it's to coach. Yes, it's to build for the future. But actually, a lot of your responsibility is getting the maximum out of what you have at your disposal now. And I don't always feel he's done that. So I want to see Oba uh, play six, seven, eight games through the middle as Arsenal centre forward. I think that's really important. And with Odegaard in behind him, who I think, as I've spoken about before, suits Aubameyang's game better in the sense that he does play passes earlier than Smith-Rowe. He does see things, I think, that Smith-Rowe is still working on. I feel like with Smith-Rowe, as I've said before, I think he's a really good carrier of the ball, but he's different to Martin Odegaard. And I just think with Aubameyang wanting to run off the shoulder, somebody like Odegaard is better positioned to pick him out quicker, sooner and more effectively. I think that Pepe and Saka around him gives him pace around him, but also... It's players that can come in field and get close to him and, and then potentially interchange with him. So you could easily see Pepe uh, tuck in field and you could see Aubameyang pull out to the flanks. And sometimes we've seen him do that to devastating effect, you know, pull out to wide areas, pick up the ball, almost Thierry Henry-like and drive in field with the ball at his feet and often find that far corner. So I think that's probably the forward line I would go with. 
And that's the team I would go with overall for this one. So let me just run through that again. Aaron Ramsdale in goal. Back four of Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel and Tierney. In the midfield, I'm going with Lekonga and Partey. Odegaard as the 10. And then I'm going to go with Saka from the left, Pepe from the right and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang through the middle. Now, I said that this is the team I would pick. Remember, uh, I think that Mikel Arteta would do some some different stuff, though, I've got to say. These are the teams that, uh, these are the things, sorry, that I think Mikel Arteta might do differently. I don't expect uh, Ramsdale to start in goal. As much as I'm fed up of Bern Leno and I keep saying that, I think that Leno will be given the nod. I don't think that Tommy Asu starts, given how late he's joined the team. I think that it will probably be Callum Chambers, if I'm guessing, at right back. I, don't, I, I didn't think Cedric particularly covered himself in glory at Manchester City. I know Chambers didn't either, but I think that Chambers will probably get the nod on the right side of the defence. I do think he'll go with Gabriel White and Tierney as the rest of the back line. Uh, Lokonga, remember, is a doubt. If he is available, then, of course, I'd pick him in that midfield alongside Partey. I think Mikel would like to pick him too, uh, given, you know, his alternatives. But with Xhaka out, with Elneny out, there is a possibility that we might see Ainsley Maitland-Niles named in that midfield or Martin Odegaard, if Emil Smith-Rowe uh, becomes available, dropping into a deeper midfield position. Arteta's talked and hinted that he could be doing that from time to time this season. Moving into the forward positions, I think Saka and Pepe will be the two wide players. And I think Aubameyang will probably start through the middle. So just a few differences between what I think Mikel might do, what he might be able to do, given some of the injury news and some of the dots that we have. Um, and what I'd like to see in an ideal world. But of course, uh, let's just hope that Arsenal go out there, uh, get the three points. And I guess that's all that really matters. I guess for me, you know, we talk a lot about the significance of this game. We talk a lot about the importance of this game. And, and I've had this question posed to me many times over the last few days. Would I sack Mikel Arteta if Arsenal don't beat Norwich? I don't think the club will sack him. But I think that, the negativity and the noise around Mikel Arteta will be so strong that it would be impossible to completely ignore it as a football club. I think for me, you know, it's um, it's one of those where I haven't really been able to put up much of an argument for Mikel for months now. I think he's been, you know, he is walking a thin line. He's walking a tightrope. And we talk a lot about how pressure can change and how pressure can be relieved on a manager. Winning against Norwich doesn't relieve the pressure completely because it's a game that we should be winning. And I would argue he needs to win four or five on the bounce to restore confidence. But if we don't win, then that pressure increases. The negative pressure mounts up a lot quicker than than the kind of... The, the other side where you're trying to kind of put that pressure out with like a fire extinguisher, like just trying to keep it at bay. So, you know, it's a huge, huge game for Mikel Arteta. It's a huge game for us and we need to get off the bottom of the league. Uh, we've got a few fixtures now, four fixtures coming up before the next international break, which I feel are all winnable. I'm not saying a game against Spurs is going to be easy. I'm not saying a trip to Burnley is going to be easy, but they are winnable fixtures. And if somehow Arsenal can find a way of putting a little run together now, building that confidence, getting four wins on the bounce, even three wins and a draw, I think that would go a long way in, first of all, putting Arsenal back up the table. Uh, at this stage in the season, you can climb the table quite quickly. Let's get 
back into a more reasonable, respectable position, something closer to where we need to be come the end of the season. And then we can continue uh, to build moving forward, hopefully, and continue to improve. But yeah, uh, that's my team for the game against Norwich. In terms of a prediction, I'm going to come to the live chat in a minute and get some of your questions and thoughts. So start popping them in the chat now. In terms of prediction, I'm going to go with a 2-0 Arsenal win. That's what my head is telling me. My heart says five, but my head says two. So that's what I'm going with in terms of a prediction. And feel free to drop some of yours in the comments as well. Right. Uh, let's go over to the live chat box and see what some of you guys uh, are saying. Uh, let's start with... Um, with... Uh, this one from Jonathan, who says, I really don't think Odegaard should play deeper. And for the record, I don't either. Um, I think you'd be asking him to be too disciplined, in which case you're taking away what is good about Martin Odegaard, which is the way he drifts into different areas, being in a position to play that defence splitting pass, that key pass. So I agree. I don't want to see Martin Odegaard playing deeper. But when I was thinking about what Mikel might do in the event that Sambi Laconga isn't past fit. I'm not saying it's my choice. Uh, I'm not even saying it would be Mikel's first choice necessarily, but given what we saw at City um, and some of the things he's been saying over the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't put it past him dropping Odegaard into a deeper position. I don't think he will, but as I say, wouldn't put it past him. Uh, in regards to Aubameyang, Jid says Aubameyang can't hold up the ball or link up play. Him playing centrally would be a disaster. Everyone would have to work twice as hard to make him look good. The nine positions evolved past what Oba offers. I agree that Lacazette brings more to the table in terms of link up play, in terms of his work rate, in terms of his energy, in terms of occupying centre halves. I really do. I just feel like, as I've said a little bit earlier on in the show, Aubameyang is Arsenal's leader. He's Arsenal's talisman. I'm not sure he's the captain. Uh, like, well, he is the captain, but I'm not sure he should be the captain is the point I'm trying to make because I don't think he, he offers enough in that leadership sense. But I do think if Arsenal are going to have any chance of finishing in the top six this season, Aubameyang needs to have a good season. He didn't have a good season last time out. He was shoehorned in on the left at times. I don't know if we're going to see that tomorrow. We could well see Lacazette lead the line and Aubameyang playing from the left. But I just feel like you're wasting Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from that position. I feel like he causes people problems from that particular area when he's not starting there, when he does drift out there and doubles up with whoever it is that's bombing down the left-hand side and then exposes the space Um left because the defender is concentrating on the winger or the fullback bombing forward. And those half spaces is what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang likes to exploit. But if you ask him to start from that position and he's always got a fullback in his face, I don't think he's all that great. And so, you know, it's um, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one. I think this is one of the more difficult decisions that Mikel has to make for sure. Uh, Benjamin says, at the moment, we just need a goalkeeper to save shots and not worry about the other stuff. And Leno is a bet sh better shot stopper at the moment. Oh, uh, listen, Burn Leno, for all the stick I give him, um, is a fantastic shot stopper. But I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think Ramsdale's a bad shot stopper to say, like, there's a massive difference there. And I just feel like we need to, calmness in the defence. We need a little bit more 
pragmatism when it comes to the goalkeeper with the ball at his feet. And I don't think Bern Leno gives us that. I've talked about him before as being a little bit robotic in his actions when the ball is played back to his feet. And I'd like to see Ramsdale just give it an opportunity. You know, you want them to compete for the shirt. Well, you know, we've shipped a ton of goals in the start of the season and, and Ramsdale did okay against West Brom. So give him a go. I, I, I don't know. But that's just my view. Selgear uh, says, uh, when is the cutoff for registering players for the league? Do we have more senior players that we can register? What do you mean? Do you mean in terms of for the entire season or do you mean by the weekend? Because if you bring a player in, you have to register them, I think, by Friday noon if you want them to play on Saturday. But if you're talking about um, like registering them for the season, let me know and, and we can chat about that. Uh, Lewis Cooper with an interesting point. Would you not argue Pepe is better on the left and Saka on the right? Yeah, I made that case so many times last season. I felt that Pepe was actually really useful on the left. I, I really did. I do think Saka is better from the right as well. But I guess for me, look, the great thing is they can change it. They can interchange it. They can swap. They can try and confuse people. I think Mikel Arteta, has made it very clear, though, that he prefers Pepe on the right based on previous selections. And I think if you're going to have one of them cutting inside onto their stronger foot to get shots at goal, I think you prefer it to be Nicola Pepe. His goal output is far superior than that of Bukayo Saka. And I know a lot of people love Bukayo Saka, me included. It's not a criticism of him. But Nicola Pepe is, is definitely more of a finished article inside the penalty area or just outside the penalty area when it comes to getting shots off and making that difference in the final third. So um, that's my take on that. If you're going to have one of them cutting in um, onto their stronger foot, I'd pick Pepe. Uh, Jashar says, uh, aren't you worried that so many changes to the back line will be a problem? Not at all, uh, because they're welcome changes and they're changes that we bloody need. Um, would I want to see Kolasinac and Chambers as part of a back three again tomorrow? Absolutely bloody not. Uh, so no, look, th there is a concern when players change. Obviously, when you change a team too drastically, sometimes that can pose issues and there may be a lack of chemistry, etc., etc. But you're only going to form that chemistry if those guys play together. If they don't, it's never going to happen. Um, Carrie saying about Elneny, Elneny's not available. Elneny's out for three weeks with a hamstring injury. Uh, which is why I've not um, considered him in my thinking uh, for the team to face Norwich. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Get some more questions in. Get your thoughts in. Get your uh, get your comments in. Get your predictions in, actually. Let's get some of your predictions. And while uh, you do that, just a quick reminder, that if you'd like to uh, support the podcast, you can do so by clicking the join button below if you're watching on your computer or clicking on the link in the description if you're watching on any other device. We'd love to have you sign up and join us. Um, it's, it's fantastic to see the community constantly growing. And there are a lot of members, by the way, that still haven't accessed the Discord server. Now, you don't have to. It's not something that I'm I'm forcing on you but it is part of being a member so if you're not if you've not done it and it's because you you just haven't got around to it you're missing out uh so get involved uh if you uh, haven't done so already right let's take some of those predictions before we wrap up uh, this stream. And we're going to be back today with a Premier League preview, uh, which is going to be quite cool. We'll talk a little bit more about this game, Arsenal against Norwich. We'll be talking about Ronaldo's return. And Patrick Vieira uh, faces Tottenham Hotspur this weekend, a game I'll be keeping a close eye on. So we'll be discussing 
all of that on our Premier League preview show later on today. Uh, Fleabeard says 3-0 to us. Come on, you gunners. Mr. Bungle's gone 3-1. Lewis Cooper 2-0 to the Arsenal. Uh, Oba and Pepe. Michelle's gone with a nervy 1-0 win uh, to the Arsenal. Abdullah Mohamed says 4-1 uh, victory. Uh, Niels Becker with an interesting question, actually, just to just to wrap up, uh, says, do you expect Norwich to press high or sit back a bit? I think there'll be a bit of both, but I don't think Norwich will be solely focused on parking the bus. I think they will be a little bit more pragmatic away from home to Arsenal than they would at home to Southampton, for example. But I don't see Norwich as that type of team. I don't see them as the type of team that will be looking to just sit in for 90 minutes and, and feed off scraps. I think they will try and take the game to us. The fact that we're in such poor form will obviously give them confidence in that sense as well. So I think it would be an opportunity missed for Daniel Farker. And and it wouldn't be true to his style and his brand of football if Norwich were to go, actually, we're away from home to Arsenal. So let's, um, let's be a little bit more cautious and, and bin what's been our plan. Um, you know, for, for so long. Uh, lovely comment from Benjamin. He says, fantastic content. The best Arsenal chat channel out there. Uh, love Harry and his health debate. <laughs> Healthy debate, I think he's meant to write. Uh, thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate that. We've got some more predictions. 4-1 to the Arsenal from Sil Gears. Matt says 2-1 Arsenal. Justin's gone with 3-1 Arsenal. Uh, Syed has gone 3-0 Arsenal. Saka and over two. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Raphael has gone uh, 4-1 Arsenal. We've got 6-0 Arsenal. Jay Dubia, a little bit more pessimistic, says 1-1, uh, one, one, unfortunately. Uh, Michael says 5 is the least we can do. Um, we've got 3-2 Arsenal and we've got 3-0 Arsenal from Jonathan. Right, I am going to leave it there. As I say, we'll be back later on uh, with some... Uh, I guess some content, is that the word? Yeah, some content looking ahead to the Premier League weekend in general. I look forward to doing that. Uh, it's not something we do all the time. So hopefully it's something that if it catches on, we'll do it more regularly. Uh, so we'll be back for that at 4.15pm today, UK time. That'll be available in podcast format from around about 5pm UK time. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow. I'll be bringing you, if you're listening via the audio, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel because I'll be bringing you a post-match reaction video just a few minutes long immediately after the game from inside Emirates Stadium, which you can only get on our YouTube channel. And then we'll be recording the podcast tomorrow night, probably at around about 8 p.m. Uh, by the time I get back, have some dinner, get my life sorted. Yeah, around about 8 p.m. And then, of course, Sunday will bring you the tactical analysis uh, of Arsenal. Hopefully, Arsenal's win over Norwich City. I'll catch you all to, uh, later on. I almost said tomorrow. Later on with more content. Until then, take care. And uh, cheers for tuning in, as always. Listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.